What's up, everyone, and welcome into episode number 222, where I will talk about the great weekend that the state of Michigan had in sports. You had the Pistons winning their fourth game of the year. You had the Red Wings winning their game. You also had Michigan being Ohio State at home. You had Michigan State being Rutgers at home. And then, of course, you had the Detroit Lions snapping their 31-year streak of no playoff wins and getting a win against the Rams. We'll talk about that last, but let's get into it with the conversation between Michigan, Ohio State, men's basketball. Michigan gets the win, and it's becoming more of a pattern recently, especially the last couple of years of Michigan really kind of dominating this rivalry between both of these schools, not only in football, but in other sports as well. Like earlier this year, Michigan's women basketball team be Ohio State. You, of course, have the football team winning three straight. Don't know if the two hockey teams have played this year, but that's a pretty big game between both of those teams as well. And then Michigan basketball gets a win at home, gets a must-needed win, especially for a team that's really struggled so far this year. But they get the eight-point win at home, you had Doug McDaniels going off for 15 points. You have Olivier Kamwa going off for 20. Terrence Williams puts in 18 points as well. Will Chair has 7. Terrence Street has 6. And Namari Burnett has 7. Really kind of surprising here that Terrence Williams is the second leading scorer in this game. But if he can really hit his shots, he's someone that can be very reliable. And Michigan's really going to need that from him, especially on... The road games, because like I talked about in the last episode, Terrence Williams will need to contribute because you have Doug McDaniels that won't be playing in these next six road games. But this wasn't a road game. Michigan came into home, protected it. And this is something that's kind of become a pretty similar situation that Ohio State has had in the last couple of years under Holtman. Um, it seems like in the beginning of the year, they were fantastic. But when you start kind of making that turnover to the first of the year, Ohio State continues to struggle. And this is not a good loss for this Ohio State team. Like, I can be completely honest with you. I think most fans of Michigan can be completely honest with you is that this Michigan basketball team is not a great team. Now, they do have athletes here. I also think Part of the reason is Jawan Howard. I don't think Jawan Howard is a great coach. I think there's enough athletes here that you can get a couple of wins here and there. They've gotten one again against Ohio State, but you have basically Doug McDaniels, uh, Namari Burnett, Olivia Kamwa. Those are kind of your three big guys, and then you might be able to throw in Will Cheddar every once in a while. But this just is a tough look, especially from a Ohio State team that I said earlier is getting beat by Michigan in almost every kind of big sport there is, which is a great look for Michigan. Like, imagine going the last, like, three years of winning football, the biggest game between both of these schools, and then basketball you're winning in both women's and men. Hockey, I believe you've won as well. It's just been a good couple of years for Michigan if you're a fan of that rivalry, not a fan of Ohio State, of course, but this is a good win for Michigan. You need to protect home court. You need to go on a little bit of a run here. Going to be extremely difficult without Doug McDaniel 
on the away games. But this is a game that you'll always take because it's beating your rival and Michigan played well. They got key contributors to score. Jace Howard actually played in this game as well. He didn't play very many minutes. They didn't play a whole ton of players in this game, only seven. That's kind of pretty similar for this Michigan team. But good win for Michigan over Ohio State. Now let's go over to Michigan State against Rutgers. This was a pretty close and competitive game for the majority of it. Uh, without that 18-0 run, I believe it was about 18-0, maybe a 16-0 run in the second half, this game was pretty competitive. But after that, it really opened up and Rutgers really wasn't able to keep up with Michigan State. And that's one thing that is kind of really known about this Rutgers team, is this Rutgers team is not a very good shooting and scoring team. They're very good defensively. I believe they ranked like top 10 in the country defensively. That definitely showed in this game for the majority of it. They did an extremely good job of defending Tyson Walker. Walker only had 13 points in this game. He had 35 minutes. He took quite a few shots. His shot kind of seems a little bit off right now, but this was a game that Michigan State really needed to have and they got 15 quality points from Malik Hall that was another great response from Malik Hall that he really needed especially after a pretty good performance against Illinois you had Jane Aikens had nine points Trey Howellman had nine points Cohen Carr I think he's going to be a player that needs to play more I think he needs to play more than 10 minutes but in those 10 minutes he had five points four rebounds he was really impactful whenever he got in the game so Izzo is really going to have to continue to figure out a way to play him more. You also had Jackson Cole had two points. I know he only played eight minutes, only two points, but you really could see that whenever he was in, Michigan State was really going to put the ball in the post, let him decide what to do, and he gets his first bucket of the year. And the more he plays, I feel like the more confident he will grow. Xavier Booker played late in this game. He only played seven Minutes, a lot of those minutes were again towards the end of this game. He did hit a three, had three points. Um, Matty Sissoko, again, not going to score very many points. He had three points. Carson Cooper had four points. And then let's get to the shot. The moment that I think a lot of Michigan State fans will remember. And that is Steven Izzo scoring his first point as a Michigan State Spartan. He's been at Michigan State for five years. I know it's kind of crazy that he's been at Michigan State for five years. Of course, if you don't know, son of the head coach, Tommy Izzo. What an absolute awesome moment. Like, he literally crossed up a quality Division One player, throws the ball up, gets fouled, somehow goes in, makes the end one just the atmosphere was absolutely electric. You could really see what Steven Izzo meant to the fans. You could see what Steven Izzo, of course, meant to his dad after that. They gave a huge hug. Coach Izzo was very emotional, which it shouldn't be really a surprise to anyone. And then the players, the how the players reacted was awesome as well. They were celebrating. They ran over, um, pulled him off the ground. But just incredible, especially after what kind of happened in Baylor, him missing two pretty easy free throws pretty poorly. And there was the whole question of would he ever score. He scores, and it makes a great start to a Sunday for the state of Michigan. But I thought this game was 
a well-played game by Michigan State. I thought defensively Michigan State did a very good job as well. Again, this Rutgers team just can't really shoot the ball extremely well. So 55 points, that's about average. I thought they did well defensively, though. And then the second half, I thought the second half Michigan State was a lot better at moving the ball. I thought Michigan State really didn't do a very good job of moving the ball in the first half. It was kind of getting stuck in the players' hands. They were a lot better at getting the ball out, finding the open man, the open man. Sarge actually hit some shots. There was a couple of kind of key moments in that first half of this game, though, that you could really kind of start to see like the momentum go towards Rutgers a little bit, but a bounce here, bounce there, maybe a little bit of a lucky bounce couple of times as well finds a Michigan State player or maybe it's more effort driven but then Michigan State either ties the game goes up one or maybe gets back to like down one possession there's a couple moments in there that I thought Michigan State did a really good job at responding getting that chance also you had Michigan State I believe up 10 early in the second half as well before that kind of big run towards the later half and Rutgers responded I believe they came back from to make it like a two-point game or even tied so that's a really good response from Michigan State as well but this was a game that Michigan State really needed to have it was against a pretty quality opponent especially on the defensive and if Rutgers had shooting this would be a really really good Rutgers team but it's not going to be an easy team to beat but Michigan State did win, and they won by 18. I think the score is a little bit misleading, especially for how competitive this game was for basically two-thirds of the game. But it was a game that Michigan State needed. Got some good performances, even if Tyson Walker wasn't the most efficient he has been. Now it is time to talk about the biggest moment in Detroit sports history in like the last like probably 10 years honestly 10 years plus one of the biggest moments in Detroit Lions history probably the biggest moment in my life as a Detroit Lions fan winning at home in a wild card playoff spot 24 23 against Matthew Stafford and the Rams. And that's a thing that I was talking about, again, This the last episode of the matchup between Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff. And Matthew Stafford coming home for the first time to play against his old team. Jared Goff, again, playing against his old team as well. There's that storyline right there. There's also the storyline of the Lions haven't winning a playoff game in 31 years, which is the longest streak out of any professional sports team in any sport. You had that going on. It. You also were a favorite. You won your division for the first time in a long, long time. First time in the NFC North. You have Dan Campbell going for Coach of the Year. You have 12, 12 wins, 12 and 5. Everything was coming down to this moment. And a lot of people, especially in the past, they kind of realized that this is a moment that would kind of get to Detroit. In the past, like there was times in the past where the Lions probably should have won a playoff game. Hinton, you had the game against the Cowboys, they should have, in my opinion, won. But it always seemed like they kind of fell short. And in this game, they did not. First two drives 
of the game. The first half of the game, I thought the Lions were absolutely spectacular on offense. I thought Ben Johnson did a great job. Jared Goff, I believe, without being pressured, went 22 for 22. I believe he went over 5 when he was actually pressured throwing the ball. But Jared Goff was absolutely spectacular in this game. He went 22 for 27 for 277 yards, only had one touchdown, but he made the big throw when he needed to. And that's another question that kind of came up with people is that could Jared Goff make the big throw at the right time in the right moment? And he didn't. We'll talk about that throw, but this was a team that didn't honestly run the ball extremely well. In this game, you had David Montgomery having 57 yards, Gibbs having 25 yards, Goff having negative three. Like, if you would tell me the Lions would win this game and you rushed for less than 100 yards, I don't think a lot of people would really believe you because this Lions run rushing attack has been so good, so effective that they've been able to keep them in games, keep the ball away from the other team as well, and also... Honestly, the defense, there's a lot of times the defense didn't get much of a break, especially in that second half. It was kind of a defensive battle in that second half. There's a few moments in there that I thought the Lions could have absolutely taken over the game. I thought there was a huge call that the refs got very wrong, and that should have been the offsides call that would have given the Lions a first down on a fourth and five. They end up calling a false start. The Lions end up punting away. doesn't hurt the Lions in the long run because they won, but that's a moment in the game that I think a lot of Lions fans are really going to kind of point to and say that's just another moment that really could have hurt this Detroit Lions team in a moment that a lot of people probably wouldn't have been surprised when they saw it. Like, there's a lot of those types of moments in the history of the Detroit Lions that you really think, like, kind of looking back at, like, a big momentum-shifting moment. And that could have absolutely been that moment in this game, but it wasn't. The Lions responded extremely well after that. I know a lot of fans were really frustrated, but the defense got the stops when they needed and while they got the steps when they needed, I don't think the defense, at least in the secondary, played extremely well, especially against Puka Nakua. Uh, you had Matthew Stafford throw for 367 yards for two touchdowns. Puka Nakua had 181 yards with nine receptions and one touchdown. But outside of Puka Nakua, they did pretty all right. You had Cooper Cup have five receptions for 27 yards. You have Tutu Atwell had 38 yards. You had Ronnie Rivers had 35. Davis Allen had 28. Demarcus Robinson had 44. It really kind of seemed like the only player that really hurt the Lions consistently was Puka Nakua. Kyron Williams, not Reynolds, Kyron Williams only had 61 yards rushing, which I believe that's under the season average, maybe a little bit more, but the Lions haven't given up a 100-yard rusher all year. So shout-out to that defensive front. That front seven has been great. Outside of Puka Nakua, which is, again, one of the Rams' two best wide receivers, which it always seems like the Lions give up quite a few yards to great wide receivers, which, again, they did in this game. But outside of Puka Nakua, the other wide receivers didn't really 
do too much damage. Now, Puka Nakua did a ton of damage. Like, he was all over the field. He was making big plays, and I think there's going to be a little bit of concern, and I don't think that concern's going to go away. It hasn't really ever gone away. I think the secondary, again, just isn't great. I think it can be good, but you also had Camp Sutton going up against Puka Nakua, and there was an argument, especially from the Rams fans, on that last third down, third and 14, where they probably should have or could have called a pass interference or holding. They did not. The Rams ended up punting the ball away. They actually would have had an opportunity if if the Lions didn't accept the holding penalty because the Rams, I believe it was like third and four, and it was an incomplete pass, but there was a holding penalty. Lions actually accepted it, pushed them back, and forced the Rams to punt. And then this is where the ending of the game I thought was kind of interesting because you had Sean McVay. At this point, they only had one timeout left with about two minutes and 20 seconds. One thing that was really great with this team as well was the atmosphere. The fans were electric all night. They showed up really early. They were loud all night. They actually forced the Rams to call two timeouts, which honestly put the line into the position that they were in. But I believe the highest decibel that the fans got was like 133, which is really close to an NFL record. I think an NFL record is like 143 or something like that. Absolutely crazy amount of noise. You also heard them really supporting Jared Goff. They kept chanting his name over and over. You had Let's Go Lion chants going all night long. And because of the fans, the Lions kind of were put in a position that, you know, like one first down, one or two first downs, and the game was over. And the Lions get the first down, and it's second and nine. And you have an opportunity where if you want to run the ball a couple more times, you're going to give Matthew Stafford the ball with probably about 40-some-odd seconds left. And it's second and nine. Ben Johnson calls a play call, calls a pass. Amon Rossing Brown beats his guy, gets 10 yards, first down. The place goes absolutely nuts. Jared Goff makes the big throw at the big time to the wide receiver. And he just made the right call. Just made the right decision to throw it to the right wide receiver. And Amon Ross St. Brown was that guy. He made the catch. First down, Lions win. And Dan Miller's call was absolutely spectacular. He was so good. It's everything you ever want a Dan Miller call to be. And his call really kind of demonstrated, especially the fans' reactions in the stadium, outside of the stadium. The fans all around the country for Lions, their reactions really showed you what this win meant to be a Lions fan. Because for a lot of these fans, especially the young ones, they've never experienced anything like this. And even the older ones, like they probably haven't had very many experiences like this. And this is going to be a game that you're going to sit back and just say, like, where were you in that moment when the Lions beat the Rams for the wild card? And I know some people are going to say it's only one playoff game, right? It's a wild card playoff win. It doesn't mean a whole lot to a lot of other fan bases. Yeah, because people have experienced that. The Lions haven't. 
And this is something that Lions fans will remember for a really, really long time. Probably the rest of their lives. This is a moment that is so meaningful that you could hear and feel the emotion in that stadium. You could hear and feel that emotion in fans' reactions. You could... There's still people that are like, I didn't believe that actually happened. Like, this is a moment that is going to be something that's going to live on for a long, long time. And Dan Campbell's going to be remembered for it. Sheila Hamp Ford's going to remember for it. Brad Holmes is going to be remembered for it. Jared Goff is going to be remembered for it. Jared Goff probably just clinched himself, in my opinion, an extension. He probably was going to get an extension already, but that's just a moment that Jared Goff is always going to be remembered for. And I'm not Russell Brown's going to be remembered for. This team just is going to be a fun team. And it's going to be a great memory for anyone, no matter what happens in the future. But this team's not done. They're going to play the Tampa Bay Bucks at home again. I'll talk about that game in the next episode. But great moment. Great moment. Great weekend for the state of Michigan. Again, it was almost like a... I don't want to say perfect weekend for the state of Michigan in sports, but pretty good weekend. You have the Lions, you have the Red Wings, you have the Pistons, you have Michigan, and Michigan State. So yeah, great weekend in sports for the state of Michigan. You got another big weekend ahead. And yeah, that is a wrap to episode number 222. Thank you for tuning in to the episode and tune in to the next episode when I talk about the Lions versus the Tampa Bay Bucks.